Welcome to the Boy Generation Podcast. We hope to be a blessing to you guys. We'll be posting our messages from our services as well as leadership content. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy the message. We all know like it's, it's beautiful and it's insane how people believe that science and faith are separate. No, they're actually inca- incompatible. Like you put them together. You can't even separate them, take them apart, right? Um, so I, I, my, my prayer for, for this whole, you know, series and everything is that um, God can become real to you, right? Like, and not only God can become real to you, but um, like, it's like telling your friend or your family about your favorite things and experiences. It's pretty easy. They have physical properties that someone else could use or experience. But God, um, you may have an ex- incredible story to tell about the amazing God you have personally experienced and everything he's done for you. And, and the question is, how do you share that good news with others in a way that doesn't sound like a fairy tale, right? Like, how do you tell your friends about that amazing but invisible God? The rules of scientific discovery dictate that testable evidence is necessary for something to be verifiable. The problem for science, not for God, is that God can be detected, can't be detected by your senses, and therefore can't be tested by any scientific method. But there are other things in life that can't be detected uh, by your senses and you accept them as real. Like, for example, like love, for instance. You can't, you, you can't measure love physically, but you can measure its effects. So it is with God. You can't detect his physical properties because there aren't any. But you can see the amazing effects of his being in the world. Um, so we're, we're just going to dive into that. Like I said, every topic, we're only talking about things within that topic, right? So scientists philosophers and theologians are pretty much agreed about this fact it is the function of science to determine the facts of the universe and i love this it is the function of religion to determine its meaning like but but opinions about the origins of the universe diverge and arguments become heated over whether whether the bible can be used as a source of scientific information secular scientists try to exclude biblical perspectives by limiting the inquiry to what can be tested in a laboratory so like like they go based on what can I test? What what can I, you know what I'm saying? So it is their position that any belief or theory with any hint of supernatural causes must be disregarded. Since God doesn't appear in a telescope or under a microscope, these scientists reject from consideration any theory of a God-caused universe. But science and faith, like, like I said earlier, they're not exclusive. And a large segment of the scientific community is acknowledging that. Like much is said about the tension between science and faith. The most frequent quoted sources contend that science and faith are incompatible. But many believe that the possible existence of an intelligent designer is a legitimate scientific inquiry. So just even before we go on, like... The Bible is not a science textbook. Like it was written for the primary purpose of revealing God's plan to establish a relationship with humankind. So it's more focused on who God is and who we are from the relational point of view. While the Bible contains scientific information, it wasn't intended to explain all the scientific uh, intricacies and mathematical formulas. The Bible won't tell you like how to clone a sheep or something. Like it, it'll tell you the purpose and explain, um, you know what I'm saying? Like in, in 
that kind of method. Um, but, but the Bible is not the only source by which God reveals himself. This is so key. Like the written word is referred to as the special revelation of God. But there's also a general revelation by which God uses the natural world to disclose his existence. By looking at nature and the world around us, we can see the evidence of God's handiwork. You don't have to be a geologist or a theoretical physicist to make those discoveries. The The wonders of God's creations are o- almost apparent, right? Like I see a lot of times on Instagram, a lot of people post like the beautiful sky <laughs> and they're like, God's masterpiece is beautiful. And I'm like, that is true, right? Like Romans one twenty, it says, and I love this verse. It says, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for knowing God. I love that. He's saying that you can't physically see God, but if you look around you, like, there's no excuse for not even knowing that there is a God, right? Like, like that's insane. Just, just how, how if we just look around, like, even though it was created by an invisible God, you see so many beautiful things, right? Like, even though the Bible isn't a science textbook, it does talk about scientific matters. So, for example, like, the sequence of creation, this is so awesome, guys. Like, I love this. The, the sequence of creation events that the universe had a point of beginning in Genesis, that the atmosphere on earth appeared, that's in Genesis, followed by plants, forms, then fish and birds. After that, there was what? Wildlife and then humans. Uh, an astrophysicist named Hugh Ross calculated, check this out, that the odds of Moses, who was the, the writer of uh, the author of Genesis, the, the chances of Moses correctly guessing all the details of the origin and proper order of the development of earth and life on earth as he specified in Genesis 1 and 2. Check this out. This is scientific. They're less than 1 in 40 million. Like the only reasonable explanation is that God divinely inspired the writings of Moses to recount the events that happened eons before Moses was even born, but that God himself initiated. Like, and, and Moses had no intellectual intellect, like he had no um, study, he had no nothing, but, but he, get, he guessed something, right? That was so accurate that if it was a guest, it was one in 40 million chance um, that that was that that was even accurate. Right. Um, like that to me is insane. So this philosopher named Bertrand Russell, which is famous for his adamant disbelief in God. He once asked what they, they asked this guy. They said, what would you tell God if you were to die and discover that God really existed? And he said, there's not enough evidence. Ain't, an, ain't enough evidence that, that, that there's even God. And that seems to be the main reason people today, they don't believe um, that there even is a God because of that, that statement right there. There just ain't enough evidence. Rather than react negatively uh, to, those, to those atheists or, or whatever the case is, like we should, we should see their point of view, right? Um, and, and it's one thing to talk about, like how amazing God is when we feel him in our hearts, right? And we go to church and when we pray or whatever the case is or where you talk or whatever. Uh, but it's quite another to know that he really exists. Like, for example, like kids believe in Santa Claus because they, they've been told he's generous. He's awesome. He's 
fat. I don't know. Um, but but when they find out he's a fictional character, they lose confidence in Santa as a real person. And he becomes nothing more than like a myth, right? And the same thing can happen to God if we don't have confidence that he's real. Um, so you can believe in God, even though if you don't know the evidence for your belief. But at some point, you should be asking, and this is the key, is your belief reasonable? Like, is, is it reasonable, right? Um, so so the evidence for God, and, and the good thing is that there is so, so much. And, and if you're looking for a smoking gun that absolutely proves God's existence, you're not going to find it. But, but that's a good thing because there's no such thing as this word, complete objectivity, right? Um, when it comes to belief. The philosopher J.P. Moreland, he, he reminds us that the best we can do with 99.9%, we've seen that everywhere. We see that on, I thought I had one, but we see 99.9% in, um, in hand sanitizers. We see it in all these other things, lotions and all these stuff, right? Uh, and, it's, and he said, this philosopher, he said, the best you could do with 99.9% of beliefs in the world is to say that it's reasonable to believe. Why do you think it ain't 100%? It's not because it's it's not fact. It's reasonable to believe, right? The same is true about our belief of God. If after considering the evidence for God, you can say a reasonable person would accept that as truth, you're 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 good, right? Um, and when it comes to evidence for God's existence, think in terms of clues instead of proof. Because he's invisible. God can't be tested in a lab, but the clues he left about his existence can be examined. Like, like think of those, whether they're logical, philosophical, scientific, or moral, um, right? Like, oh, I just did something horrible. Uh, str I, I strands in a rope. A single strand is not strong enough to bear any significant weight. But when those several strands come together, right, like it, it it's more like when you get several clues together, it, it's more sustainable. Right. Um, so so we're we're, we're going to think of, of the main question. Why is there something rather than nothing? Right. Why is there something like it, it, it's like a stupid question. But when you're talking about the universe it, it, and everything in it, including ourselves, it's very logical and important and an important one, no matter what you're thinking about, right? So we're, we're going to jump in it. So saying that an object came from something else, it don't appear out of nowhere. Something made it or it had an originator. The name for that logical sequence leading to an object is called contingency. The name, I'm going to say it one more time because it's important to know. The name for the logical sequence leading to an object is called contingency. Um, some someone sent up it. Okay, uh, it's called contingency, um, which it, it means this: anything that exists is dependent or contingent on something else. But this idea of contingency has a problem. The process of contingency has to start with something that isn't contingent or is a first cause. Like it. There's always a beginner, an originator, or a first in everything we do. Everything that is created, is it once was birthed out of something. 
With that, you would never arrive like at the present moment where the chair, the car, the bird exists. Mathematicians will tell you that you can't keep going back in a series of infinite causes. Meaning, like, you can't just keep going back. Oh, it came from this. It came from this. That came from... Like, it, it doesn't exist. That's almost impossible. You can't go backward to infinity. That's known as a word called infinite regression. And, and it's not possible. Like, it's not... It's scientifically and theoretically impossible for something and this is scientifically proven it's called infinite regression to go keep going back keep going back keep, like it didn't have a beginning it just keeps going and keep going it, it keeps going to and i don't know where we're going but it's just keep it every and that is impossible scientifically and theoretically to get to a present thing you have to have a first thing in the language of philosophy, you have to have a necessary being. A necessary being is the originator, right? Um, so if you, if you guys follow along with me, if everybody's still there. You guys you're still with me? That's a lot of stuff. Are you guys still there? <laughs> okay, good. Um, just making sure that you guys are still there. So um, after uh, after this thought, Leslie's going to say some stuff. Me and Leslie's going to tag team a little bit. Um, but but Leslie's going to... Uh, say that I saw this quote and I loved it. It said, uh, so we're going to talk about God being the first cause, right? So this quote, it says, if the universe had a beginning, then something external to the universe must have caused it to come into existence. Something or someone transcended to the natural world. Like, I love that. This scientist, uh, he says that if something were to create our universe, something that is not from it had to have created it. Does that make sense? Like, Science has determined beyond any doubt that the universe had a beginning, excuse me, had a beginning at a specific point in time. That's fairly recent discovery for the scientific community in particular to the rest of the world in general. In the past, the general idea that the universe had a point of beginning wasn't accepted, like except among those who believed in the Bible, you know, Genesis 1-1. Philosophers and most scientists alike have resisted this theory because it implies that something must have been the, the precipitating cause, right? They subscribe to a theory that the universe existed in a steady state condition with no matter being formed from that which we are already formed. But that's because of the discovery that the of the theory, the Big Bang, the steady state theory, right? Um, and we're going to talk about the Big Bang later on. Um, maybe not even today, but we'll talk about the Big Bang. If there was a beginning of the universe, there must have been a beginner, Right. So something or someone had to have caused it. The universe was an effect, but someone had to be a, had to be the cause. Right. Like you guys know this in science and elementary school, they taught this cause and effect. The universe was the effect. So someone had to be the cause. Fred Heeren. I love this, man. This is insane what this man says. Uh, he, he's, he was a he's a scientist. Um, and he said a series of causes can't be infinite. There must be a first cause, which itself is uncaused. So he asked himself, he said, so who or what is the first big cause that got the universe started? He didn't implement or say or start. It was God. No, he said if there was something, it could have not even been God. If there was something or someone, whatever, like like you, you, you would think. He said according to, to Heron, who was the, the scientist, he said if there was something or someone, look at this, they had to have these qualities. He's saying, he didn't say, oh, it's God, it's whatever. He said if there was someone or something who created the universe, he said it had to have one, number one. 
It had to be independent of the universe itself. Not only out of the world, but the first big cause must be above and beyond all that is in the universe. Because things don't make themselves. Oh my goodness, that's fire, bro. He said number two, it has to be all powerful. Consider the power output and the quantity of materials that were required to put the universe into place. Like, like it had to be all powerful. It had to know every material. It had to have every thought. It had to know every knickknack to put for things to create. And later on, we'll talk about like the solar system. We're going to talk about the body, like how things are scientifically, if they were like one inch off or one inch closer, how it would just not work. It wouldn't be possible. We'll talk about later. But it had to be all powerful, right? Three, I love this. It had to be timeless. And Les is going to talk about a uh, little bit about that after. Number three, it has to be timeless. Nothing in the universe can predate the universe itself. Like, the first big cause must have existed before time as we know it. Four, it has to be supernatural. In addition to being beyond. Now, keep in mind, he didn't say, oh, it's God. And he's not describing God. He's saying if something or someone, whoever or whatever that looks like, it had to have these qualities. It, it had to be for supernatural it, because it can't sustain in the perimeters of time. The first big cause must transcend the physical realm of the universe. So when he means supernatural, it doesn't mean miracles, getting off a wheelchair. When he's saying supernatural, he's saying that it can't transcend time. It, can't trans it has to transcend time. It has to transcend the physical realm. It has to transcend the space-time continuum. Like, it has to transcend every realm that, that we know as humans. Number five, it has to be supremely intelligent. Like, if you, ref if you reflect on the complex components of the universe, it has to be a supreme type of intelligence, whether it be orbiting planets or our digestive system. And later on, we'll talk about it. But just seeing how everything works, right? Um, like everything can just come out of nowhere and work. Like as we know, science experiments, they're experiments. They don't work on the first try. You're saying that on the first try, everything just worked. Everything, everything. And we'll, later on, we'll talk about like the scientific facts of things like supernova and all that stuff. Um, it's, it's so interesting. Um, and last one, he said it has to be personal. And when he says personal, it doesn't mean like perky or like personality. He means that he was being very intentional, that this being was being intentional and capable of doing things on purpose. Like with whatever it created, there was a purpose for everything. Our nose, our mouth, our ears, our heart, our blood, our like it, you see what I'm saying? Like it was personal. Like he had a person, it had a personality to it. So describing what those six things this scientist said, does that sound like someone that you know? Like the Bible, this is what the Bible says, that it calls God the great initiator. It says that he was the first big cause. Look at this. Genesis 1.1 is the first verse in the Bible. God created the heavens and the earth. So the, he, uh, he was the big, he was the first. He spoke, right? He created. So the Bible further, look at this. Keep in mind those six things. It, it, the Bible itself describes his characteristics, and it perfectly fits the profile that this scientist determined will be required 
to have a big fir- a first big cause. Number one, he said it had to be transcendent. Psalm 92 says that the Old, the Old Testament underscores that this principle that God existed before the mountains were created, meaning he, he was independent of the universe. He was above and beyond of the universe. He had to be too all-powerful, which as we said in the character in the classes before, he had to be what? Omnipotent, which means all-powerful. The Bible says that you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. That's in Jeremiah 32, 17. Number three, it said it had to be timeless. The Bible calls God eternal. God described his own eternal nature when he said, I am the one who is, who was, who always was, and is to come. He's timeless. He has no time. Even scripture says that one day for us is like a thousand days for the Lord. Like, like that's insane. It's timeless. Number four, he said it had to have, it had to be supernatural. The Bible says that God is a spirit. He does not possess a physical body. He is not limited to our dimension. First Timothy 6, 16 says he alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. He's, he's calling himself a spirit. Number five, it said he has to be supreme intelligent. That's what omniscient means. All-knowing. God knows every scientific truth, even that those that humanity have not even discovered yet, right? Like as humans, we're still learning stuff, right? How, and, and Psalm 147.5 says, how great is our God. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Like you can't even comprehend what or understand. How can you understand a God that knows all things? And number six, it said it had to be a personal. Like God is described as a being. God is not some amorphous force. He's not just some smoke, right? He has a will and he's capable of feelings. That as we talked about in the character of God, he said in Exodus 3:14, I am who I am. This is my name forever. The name you should call me from generation to generation. The Bible was written centuries ago, and these character traits of God were recorded long before this scientist of the 20th and 21st century even developed a profile for the big cause. From about 1500 BC when Moses wrote Genesis, the Bible has been declaring that God created the universe. Now, about 3500 years later, the profile of the first big cause seems to confirm that the Bible has been saying this all along. What you mean? The Bible been saying this. What you talking about? Right? Um, so, Les going to jump in and, and say say some stuff. So, um.